Shabbat Shalom. Good to see you here today. Uh, so this week's readings was kind of uh, interesting because this week's readings was all of one chapter, right? Deuteronomy chapter 31. Uh, we're getting near to the end of the, uh, the Torah cycle. And so we're coming to that time when we start our, anew uh, in just a few weeks. But lest we overlook the importance of just one chapter, there's something very important that takes place here in chapter 31. In fact, it's mentioned twice. You may not have caught it, but it says in verses 7 and 8, it says, Then Moshe called to Yehoshua, Joshua, and said to him, In in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which Adonai has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall give it to them as an inheritance. Adonai is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And so these are the, the, some of the opening words of this chapter. And what's interesting is then, as we read on through the chapter, then towards the end of the chapter, it's repeated. It says, then, in verse 23, then he, Moshe, commissioned Yehoshua, the son of Nun, and said, be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the sons of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you, says Adonai. So what I find interesting is that this, uh, this young man, Yehoshua, now he may not have been very young at this stage, he was probably close to 80, okay? But this man, Yehoshua, he is then encouraged twice in the same chapter to be strong and be courageous, not to have any fear. Now what's interesting about this is that, uh, of course, Devarim, Deuteronomy, the final book of the Torah, it starts off, with the same words, because in chapter 3, verse 28, Adonai tells Moshe, but charge Yehoshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go across at the head of this people, and he will give them as an inheritance the land which you will see. And then we see, if we keep turning the pages, when we get to the end of Deuteronomy, and we don't return back, but we keep reading the story, we see that what happens is, After Moshe is gone, a messenger has to come to Yehoshua and speak to him. And he says in in Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moshe, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For Adonai, your Elohim, is with you wherever you go. So the question there is, did Yehoshua have self-confidence issues? Because we've just read four times now where he is encouraged to be strong and courageous, not to fear. And the irony of the fact is that here we have this man, Moshe, who's the one that's telling him, be strong and be courageous. Uh, I recall reading something in Exodus where Moshe is like, don't send me, send somebody else. So here Moshe, who dealt with self-confidence issues, is now being told, encourage this one who will come up behind you. Who, by the way, appears to also struggle with these same things. What a beautiful irony that Moshe has to encourage someone to be strong and be courageous and to go lead. So the point of this is that perhaps some of us are like that. Perhaps some of us find ourselves in a position where we're lacking self-confidence. Or it may not even be that we're lacking self-confidence, but instead, like Joshua, we find ourselves walking into a strange land where there's a big wall in front of us. And that big wall is pretty daunting. And it looks like that wall is something that we won't be able to overcome. And in fact, there's those on that wall that are taunting us. And yet, we're encouraged by Adonai. Be strong and courageous. For Adonai goes before you. There is no problem, there is no challenge 
There is no fear that is too great for our king not to conquer. All we have to do is be strong and courageous and follow him. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your encouragement that is brought forth through your word. We thank you for the instructions that you have given us. We thank you for encouraging us to be strong and to be courageous and not to fear because our hope is found in you. And when our hope is found in you alone, what can man do to us? For indeed, we are sheltered under the shadow of your wings. And you go before us. And you fight our battles for us. As the song says, when it looks like we're surrounded, we're surrounded by you, Father. Thank you for your presence in our lives. And help us to walk like Moshe walked, like Yehoshua walked, in strength and in courage. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's welcome up Dr. Deb Wiley. I was so into your prayer, I almost didn't come up. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hi, everybody. How are y'all doing today? Good, I hope. I know I am, and I'm super excited for the message today. And the reason I'm so excited is because I was realizing, as the Lord was putting things on my heart, that there's a perfect time for a message like this. And, of course, he's always perfect, right? <laughs> so, how idle words condemn us. And what are idle words? And it's so important at this time, because we are in the days of awe. Can everybody go, ah, oh, oh, because there's a lot of things we've been confessing and trying to make right within our own hearts, right? And with others, with other people. And so it's an important time for introspection and to take a really good, long, hard look at ourselves and how we deal with people, how we deal with others. And so this particular message, it's a tough one. So you can't get mad at me, right? Because you only have like, what, nine days, I think, to make it right with me if you're mad at me after the end of the message, right? So, um, or it's probably less than that. I don't, I don't know how many days exactly we are. But anyway, I'm going to, let me make sure I got this right here. Okay, there you go. So the first question that we're going to answer today is what are idle words? If idle words are going to justify us, or if idle words are going to condemn us, I think it behooves us to know exactly what that means. Because it sounds like it's a matter of life and death. Amen? So, I think I'm going to go ahead and have you read this scripture. But I say unto you, it's Matthew 12, 36 and 37. I do have it up on the screen. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty scary. Because if we don't even understand what idle words are, and most of us are talking, like, all the time, especially now in our society with social media. If we're not speaking to each other on our cell phones, we're on the Internet, and we're talking, talking, talking. But what really are we saying? I want to go a little bit further into Matthew, go up a couple of verses to Matthew 13, or 12, 33, and 34. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. 
for a tree is known by its fruit. And then he goes on to say, now remember this is Messiah talking. Why is he speaking right now? Well, because a bunch of the Pharisees had said, oh, he casts out demons by the power of Beelzebub. Right? Remember that part? And so he's speaking to those right now that are speaking to him condemnation and unbelief. And so what he's, call, he's saying, for a tree's known by its fruit, and then he goes on to say, brood of vipers. Now what does a tree known by its fruit have to do with snakes? We could go all the way back to the Garden of Eden for that one. Because there was a viper, there was a snake that showed up with Eve and got her to eat the forbidden fruit, right? And how did he do that? By idle words. What did he do? He said, did God really say? Did he really say? How many of us have doubts, cast doubts into others' hearts and others' minds? Wouldn't you call that idle words? What we speak can affect people's lives for eternity. That's why he puts so much weight on the words we speak. We are made in the image of God. What does that mean? Does that mean we all look like him? No, I doubt it. But we are all creators. And just as he created the universe with words, so do we create with our words. And we will do everything right. Won't we? Oh, we'll keep the Sabbath just right. We'll, you know, wear our seats or our kippahs, and we'll try to do everything just right. Right? Right. But do you know an interesting fact? When the Messiah, when the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the King of all glory, humbled himself and became a man on our behalf to give his life. You know what Chris Frankie was talking about a little bit earlier about whatever calendar you keep? Do you know that Yeshua, Jesus, never taught one message on the calendar? Do you know he never taught one message on the holy name and how it's pronounced? The things we find so important and argue about and debate and do all those things, he never even taught on them. Hello? Is there a message there? Now, that'll preach all by itself. But there was the heart of the Torah that he was after to show people. And it's our hearts And it's our hearts of the word of God that he's still after today. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Do you think that the scribes and the Pharisees and the people there knew the Torah? Better than any of us. They knew the commandments upside, inside, upside down. And they wrote, you know, what they didn't know. They made up. They put fences, and then they put another fence, and then they put another fence, and then they put another fence around what the Word of God really said. And that's what he spoke to them about. The heart of the Torah. There's something that's in the heart that we always sidestep. You know why? Because it's so much easier for me to have a set of rules that I can follow. And I can do this, and I can do that, and I can do this, and then I'm okay. I'm here on the Sabbath. I'm doing all this stuff. Stuff. Right. Because it's easier to do the stuff than it is to do the work. 
I will. Thank you. <laughs> it's easier to do the stuff than it is to do the work. We would much rather have a list of do's and don'ts, and I'll check it off my list and follow it, than to examine our hearts. Man, that's the hard part. You're right, bro, Ed, that is work. Because it takes a humbling. It takes a breaking. You know, I hate to admit sometimes I'm a jerk. Who wants to admit that they're wrong? Nobody. So you know what we do? Rather than admit we're wrong, we build a nice little story all around it of why we did it. And because he knows my heart. I shudder when I hear people say that. Because they're right. He does know our heart. And he knows it's desperately wicked. <laughs> this is, oh my gosh. This is where we live, people. We don't want to play church. We're so called to be the light. We're called to be the force in the earth that changes things around us. And we can't do that with idle words. All we do with idle words is hurt ourselves and hurt others. Brood of vipers. Why did he Why is the fruit tree and the brood of vipers together? <coughs> Excuse me. I believe if you think about it, I, I thought about this. I've meditated this scripture. What does a viper have in its mouth? Venom. Exactly. Man, I got somebody in the front row over here that understands what I'm saying. <laughs> he's been, yeah, he's been on all of us, right? We think it's okay to talk trash about our brothers. To tear them down. Do we not realize that we're all made in the image of God? So, Patrice, if I'm tearing you down, I'm tearing down the very image of God that's standing, sitting there before me. Now, I don't know how many parents are here, have children, Grown, little, whatever, okay. You want to see the mama bear come out in me? Talk smack about one of my kids. Or my grandkids. That's when the mama bear comes out. Otherwise, she stays in the cave and is kind of hidden. How do you think the father feels when we're talking smack about each other? I mean, yeah. We're his kids. We're in his image. And if I'm talking bad about somebody, and if I'm talking venomous, did you see what they did? Well, you know, I saw them at Walmart on the Sabbath. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and therein lies the problem because how did you see them there? Hello. Oh, my goodness. But it's easier if we can put somebody else down, suddenly we become righteous and holy. For after all, I just happened to be walking by Walmart. I really wasn't buying anything. But I saw them loading up their cart. They just don't get it. And by our words, we're condemned. We need to get this. He says, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, 
the mouth speaks. Do you know your mouth will always give you away? Always. Now, I know I'm from California, and I know this is redneck country, so don't, you know, <laughs> don't get mad at me for saying this. But we would all do good if we would put some duct tape over our mouth sometimes and just shut up. Because we get in trouble with our mouths. And it goes not only back to the garden, but even back to Moses. I put a picture up here. I thought it was just so interesting because it says, it's part of the scripture in Matthew there, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a, true, a tree is recognized by its fruit. Our, our speech should always produce good fruit. If our speech is not producing good fruit, because this is really literally what he was talking about is what men were saying, right? Am I wrong here? So you have the, and I have the option of producing good fruit with our mouths or rotten fruit. And if I'm tearing my brothers down in any way, it's rotten. It's no good. It's not edifying. It's unproductive. I looked up idol in the Greek, and actually it means the same thing as unemployed or unproductive. How many of you know if you're not employed, you're not producing anything to supply the needs for your family? So idle words don't produce anything that supplies abundance or fruitfulness. Now I'm going to go all the way back to Moses, to good old Moshe here, and I'm going to submit something to you regarding idle words. And I've never saw this before. I started doing this study. In, in Numbers 27 through 9, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the rod, you and your brother, Aaron, gather the congregation together. Notice what he says. I underlined it. Speak to the rock before their eyes. So there were three commands he told them to do. Take the rod, gather the congregation, speak to the rock. Sounds pretty simple, right? And it goes on to say, Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus, may, thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod, check, from before the Lord as he was commanded, check. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, whoops, did I go backwards? No. Then the Lord spoke to him, saying, okay, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord. Okay, that one we did. How come it didn't move to the next one? Am I doing it wrong? I'm clicking. Okay. No, still didn't. Did it? Is it up there? Okay, and Moses, here's the verse I'm trying to read. I don't know if it's up there or not. Uh, nope, back a slide if you don't mind, because I'm messing it up. I'm technically challenged, but you have to forgive me. Numbers 20, 10, and 11 is what I'm looking for here. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, and this is where things go south. See, we are the same way. We'll do everything right. All these instructions, got it, God. Check, check, check. Zizio, check. Here on the Sabbath, check. But then we open our mouths. And that's what happened to Moses here. He opened his mouth. And here's what he said. 
Hear now, you rebels. So he started bad-mouthing God's people. God's the judge. Not us. Not even Moses. As wonderful of a servant that he was. But I want you to watch this. Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with its rod. He said, hear now you rebels. And then he goes on to say, must we bring water from the rock? He was setting himself up as God without even realizing it. Idle words. Idle words. It kept him out of the promised land. What did Yeshua say? What did Jesus say? By your words you'll be condemned. It could keep us literally out of the promised land. Do we need to be careful what we say and what we speak? Uh, yeah. Is that somehow on the bottom of our list most of the time? Yeah. Most of the time, it's at the bottom of the list. And so he struck the rock twice. I have a personal belief about this, and you can disagree with me. It's okay as long as we can still be friends, right? He struck the rock twice, and who did the rock symbolize? Yeshua. It was a shadow and a type and a picture that God had planned to use. Yeshua was only struck once. And by taking things into his own hands, he subverted the plan of God. Have you ever done that? I have. By taking things into my own hands. I got this, God. Sit back. You don't have to worry. I'm fully capable. I can do this thing. Right? Haven't we all? I mean, don't make me feel guilty up here. I want to see more heads nodding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you for that. And now... I want to submit to you that idle words are idle words. Anything that we put above God and his word is an idol. And most of the time we say idle words to put somebody else down. To make ourselves look more important. I mean Moses even did it for crying out loud. He even did it. We're going to bring water from this rock. And we're going to strike it twice to do it. Wow. We do that. We're no better than Moses. We've all done things to make ourselves look better. And to bring somebody else down. But that's not the way of God. Brood of vipers, he said. How can you bring evil and speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now that's a pretty strong statement. Out of the abundance of your heart, you're going to hear your mouth speak. So I want you to start to listen what you're speaking. Is that really true that out of your heart's abundance? The word you speak literally depends on what's filling your heart. Watch this. A critical heart produces a critical tongue. A self-righteous heart produces a judgmental tongue. This is all stuff that's in our hearts, but you can listen for people to say that. A bitter heart produces an angry tongue. 
See, Moses was frustrated with those people. And he probably let something bitter get in his heart. Because he was so angry, he struck the rock twice and called them names. That's what happens when we don't deal with the things that are in our heart. They come out in ways that bring judgment upon us. Does this make sense to you guys? Okay, good. Because I, I want it to make, it made sense to me, but I'm not the only one getting ministered to here, so I want to make sure. An ungrateful heart produces a grumbling tongue. You know, having been a psychologist for many years, have you ever wondered why counselors always just listen to you? <laughs> because they're looking to see what's really in your heart. They're listening more than talking. We're trained listeners. But even being a trained listener, sometimes I don't listen to what's in my own heart. But if I hear myself speaking... I can discern it and judge it. Amen? This is why scripture says life and death are in the power of the tongue. So now let me go back the other direction and say what else can come out of our mouth that shows what's in our hearts. A loving heart produces a gracious tongue. A faithful heart produces a truthful tongue. A trusting heart produces an encouraging tongue. See, if I have a trusting heart towards the Father, I can encourage you and I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that I trusted him so many times and, and it looked like I was going under and I was going to sink and things were not going well in my world. But because time and time and time again, he's always been there. I have a trusting heart and I can encourage you to let you know that whatever you're looking at, whatever mountain you're facing, whatever obstacle that's standing in your way, he will take care of it if we believe. It's so important. Proverbs. I know you were probably wondering when I was going to get to this scripture. <laughs> Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. There's a lot at stake in what we speak and what we say. We either bring forth life, or more scary than that, we bring forth death. Not only to people, but to ourselves. I know we think we're in a literate society, right? Well, in a literate society, just so you know, tongues and speaking and words include hands that write, type, or sign. Oh, she didn't just go there, did she? Yeah, whatever you text, whatever you put on Facebook, whatever you email somebody, to try to jab them, to try to put them down, to try to make them feel less, is an idle word, even if it didn't come out of your mouth. Because your fingers are an extension of your mouth. The word of God is an extension of what he spoke. If you are on social media, Watch what you speak. Are you building people up? Are you encouraging them? Or are you looking to pick a fight to prove that you're right about something? Let me put this in your face, and what are you going to say about that? I've seen people literally pick arguments on Facebook. And it's like, seriously? 
you know, do you not realize that these are idle words? And we will be judged for them. Just to show you how serious this is, people die because of something they've said. We act literally can cause people to die by our mouths. I knew someone, very strong believer in the faith, that left her husband, and she said, I wish you were dead, was her last parting words. And about two days later, he died. Now, whether it was her words, whether it was his time, I don't know. But I'm just saying, our words are powerful. And I'm going to get into a little bit of that in a minute. Tongues can be weapons of mass destruction. Words have launched holocausts. I mean, just think about it for a minute. It's all because of words. Things spoken, things said. Tongues can also be the death of a marriage. What you speak can be the death in families or friendships or congregations. That's the power that's in our mouths. It can destroy careers and it can destroy hopes and understanding and even governments. That's the power of the tongue. How many of you have heard a word that you felt like you were sucker punched? You felt like, I can't go on. You felt like giving up. You felt hopeless. You felt helpless because of things somebody said to you and spoke to you. They stopped you in your tracks. I've had things spoken to me before where I'd be happy and joyful and somebody would say something and I'd be like, oh. It was like, it left just that quick. All the joy, all the happiness, because I experienced a death blow from someone's mouth. And we all have, have at, one times or another, at one time or another. Now, I'm going to go to James. I love James. No, number one, James was Jesus, Yeshua's brother, right? Okay. To me, James is absolute, unequivocal truth that Yeshua is the Messiah. Why do I say that? How many people in here have siblings? If somebody told you your sibling was the Messiah, what would you do? <laughs> After I got off the ground laughing and rolling and crying, I would, you know. They called James, I don't know if you ever heard this before, but they called him Camel Knees. Because he spent so much time on his knees that he actually had huge calluses on his knees from praying. This was someone that lived in the household of Jesus, of Yeshua, and knew that he knew that he knew he was the Messiah. So obviously Jesus never took his toys or beat him up, as most siblings will do to each other. He had to have been perfect, which had to be hard to live with. You know, can you imagine going to your mom, oh, you just think Yeshua is perfect. Oh, wait. He is. <laughs> you know, that would be hard. I would not want to have been his sibling. But you look at James and you realize what a testimony he is to the deity of Messiah. If, and here's what he says. Here's what James says, and he's got a lot of wisdom. If anyone does not offend in speech, never says the wrong thing, he is fully developed character and a perfect man, able to control his whole body and to curb his entire nature. <sighs> That's pretty heavy, is it true? 
if we, if we control our tongues to the point that we don't offend anybody, is it affecting our whole body? Even what we say to ourselves. I'm going to go uh, medical on you here for a minute. According to findings by leading neurosurgeons, and this has been numerous studies that have been done on this, the speech center in the brain has total dominion over all other nerves in the body. For example, if a person keeps saying, I'm too weak to do that, I don't have the ability to do this job, I'm afraid to try. How many times have we even said those kind of things to ourselves? Well, our brain hears whatever you say, even to yourself, right? And look what happens. Right away, the nerves receive the message from the central nervous system saying they are weak or incapable and their body begins to adjust itself to what it's just heard. Oh. Wow. So we, we have to also be careful to the idle words we say to ourselves. Not just to others. We can thwart the very growth and purpose that God has for our life and our destiny. I, you know, I, I deal with teenagers a lot, so I, I talk teenage sometimes. So quit talking smack to yourself. Don't do that. It's not good. It holds you back from who God created you to be. He has destiny inside of each of us. Notice what God himself says here. Of course, we, we all know that uh, it was Yeshua that led the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? Right? Notice what it says in Numbers 14, 28. I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. See, idle words wasn't just something in the, in the uh, apostolic writings. Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never took kindly to idle words. Nothing's changed in that regard. Even with all of our modern science and technology, by your words you are justified, and by your words you're condemned. He said it here in Numbers. He said it in Matthew. He means it. We got to take it serious. Now I'm going to go, we went medical, we went biblical, now I'm going to go scientific. And some of you may have known or seen this before, but a Japanese scientist and water researcher, Dr. Masora Emoto, has revealed that thoughts and vibrations affect the molecular structure of water. After studying water for many years through high-speed photography of water crystals and by the use of MRA, a vibration measure, measuring device, to record emotional vi vibrations in humans, Dr. Emoto observed that water reacts to the sounds of vibrations or the sounds of your voice. We're created in God's image. We affect creation when we speak. Fascinating. The water crystals formed beautiful geometric shapes when words of love and gratitude were spoken near the water. But when evil words were uttered near another sample of water taken for, from the same source of the other crystals, the crystals smashed and turned into destructed shapes. Now, I, I'm posting some pictures up here for you to show you. 
the um, first slide there is um, when the water, uh, when heavy metal music was played near the water. I would submit that rap might fall in that category. I don't know. <laughs> but it wasn't part of the study, so I can't say for sure. I just know I kind of look like that when I hear rap music, so. <laughs> and the second one, in the water sample, someone was saying, you make me sick. I will kill you. And look at that. The third one, all that was spoken to the water was Adolf Hitler. Now look at the bottom. The first one, thank you. The second one, love, I love you, I appreciate you, you're amazing, you're awesome. Look what happens to the water. The third one, Mother Teresa. Now, I don't care what you think doctrinally or anything. It doesn't matter. She was a wonderful person that gave up her life for the poor and lepers. And obviously, the water even recognized that. Now, if we can have that kind of effect on water, I don't know, Chris Mumford, what are we made up of? 80%, 90% water, human beings? He's a nurse, that's why I'm asking for technical advice here. 70-ish? Okay. 70-ish percent water. What happens to us when we hear words of affirmation, when we're told we're awesome, when we're told we're loved, we're adored, yes, you can do this, yes, I've got confidence in you, you're amazing. All the little water cells in our body are going, yeehaw. Right? And don't, doesn't your spirit just lift? Have you ever noticed when you hear those kind of things, your spirit just kind of goes, woo. It's resting on all these little beautiful ice crystal things, maybe. You know, instead of on what looks like polluted, pollution. So, I'm just going to submit to you that we have a great deal of control by what we speak. Not only to creation, but to each other and to ourselves. And by our words, we will be justified. Let's just stay with that because that's positive. By our words, we will be justified. By how we speak to each other, by the love that we speak, by the encouragement that we speak, we will be justified. Today, make your mouth a fountain of life, not of death, a fountain of life. Be slow to speak, as James said. Encourage more than you critique. Let's look for opportunities to speak kind, tender-hearted words to one another and to those we love and even to ourselves. Say something affectionate and loving to a loved one that they weren't expecting. Seek to speak only words that build up and encourage. Be a person whose mouth is filled with life. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna I'm gonna close this with prayer before Ephraim comes up. I can see him back there getting his racing shoes on. He's already. Father, we just thank you for your word. Your word. You speak no idle words because not one word that you speak returns void to you. 
All your words are fruitful. All your words are yes and amen. And so, Father, we declare and decree your words over our lives. Father, we ask for you to to nudge us, to encourage us, to, to good works, to talk to one another in love and encouragement. Father, we repent before you for words that we have spoken that were not productive, whether for somebody else or for ourselves or for this body of believers. Whatever it is, Father, we repent before you as your people, and we ask you to be ever-present. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us. Help us to examine our hearts and listen to what our mouth speaks so that we know what's in our hearts that we need to correct. Father, during this time of reflection before Yom Kippur, Father, we thank you that this word is a word of encouragement from your word and that you desire that not one of your children would perish, but that we would all attain eternal life through you. And we would not be judged by our words or condemned by our words, but we will be justified by our words in Yeshua's name our King and Savior and Redeemer. Amen. Amen. If we could all rise, please. And the Lord spoke in Moshe and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is the way you shall bless the children of Yisrael. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, Shalom.